This is the seventh hour of conversation we've had this week. We've been talking a lot this week. That's fair. We've been paid now to talk randomly by some rando somewhere more than we'll ever get paid for this podcast. Absolutely. We have made more money this week from just talking to each other than we will ever make from Cease Operate. The question is, could we have made that money without our vast podcasting experience? The answer is, you probably could have. I would not have been able to. Just to put that into context, I'd been uh, asked to find a partner to have a conversation with on six different topics over six different hours so a AI website can learn Scottish accents. How about that? Yeah, so they picked us who have really huge, massive Scottish accents. Definitely the most (laughs) Scottish people around and not um, misleading at all in terms of AI education for Scottish accents. Yeah, that is one thing I was considering. Do they expect us to sound like Braveheart? Well, maybe, maybe. But even Braveheart wouldn't be, do the job, really. You've got, like, Scotland, and it's, it has a huge variety of accents. And if you just, like, do a tour of the coasts, it gets insane. And we're talking about going from deepest Glasgow and Ayrshire through to, like, Peterhead. And That's like, very true. How different those accents are. And then, like, considering how, like, lilty the Western Isles accents are compared to how monotone uh, accents are elsewhere... There's a video, I can't remember who it is, but the vocal coach for, or the accent coach for uh, Homelander. Homelander? <laughs> Outlander. Outlander. That's a different film. Homelander. <laughs> Homelander is a character from The Boys. Or it's uh, CIA, the CIA agent who gets sent back in time and ends up in the Highlands. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So Outlander, if that's what it's called. Sassanoch, whatever. Who cares? Right. The, the accent coach for there has done a quick video explaining all the different accents of Scotland. You should go find that. It's a, it's a fun watch. So, like, this AI thinking that you need to get two people so you can have understand everyone in Scotland. Nah, you need, like, two people from every village. We should bring back the old intro music at some point. We should do a cover of it. A cappella cover. We should individually do covers of it. Good idea. Okay. Cease Sorry. Cease operate. Cease operate. Episode 180. The big 180, which is very exciting, James. Thank you, Darts Man. Yeah, thank you. This is, of course, Scotland's longest running, least dull podcast, your new favourite podcast. I'm Colin and he is James. Yeah, mildly becoming somewhat internet famous as an alter ego in an esport. Just, just saying. Just so, so you are editing. Obviously, your day job is to edit and produce videos for Rocket League, a uh, esports Rocket League celebrity. Yeah, and now you're getting some notoriety yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got six times as many followers on my esports account than I do in my real one, which isn't <laughs> a lot really. So it's not too impressive, but. I'm getting validation from it, and that's always necessary. What actually is your job title? I don't. I, I'm self-employed. I'm just like contracts here. I, I do you must have like editing. a no, but people say like, tell me what you do. I just say a video editor. Yeah, that's that's cool. That's a cool title. But like, it's video editing, it's channel management, it's graphics, um, it's sound design. It's hard work. It's it's, it's a lot of different things. I, I've I've been I've been I've been challenged by this work. Yeah, like there's a surprising number of things that you have to actually 
try to understand and try to learn to do the work I do. Oh, fair enough. I'm I'm, su- I'm constantly surprised. That's a, that's a seesaw parade after dark discussion where we discuss uh, James's actual job as opposed to this. Because as much as we both wish seesaw parade was our job, sadly, it is yet to pay the bills or any bills at all. I mean, technically, now that we've done that work, we are getting paid like 50 pence per hour. <laughs> For all the sea salt parade work we've ever done. If we consider all of the us talking to each other. (laughs) Okay, fine. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Seesaw Parade. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much for everybody who's got in touch, which you can do on Twitter, Snapchat, and via via, via Gmail. James has been a lot talking. Via Gmail account and get in touch with us there. And we'll talk about uh, the precise details of that later. But let's start with the biggest news of the week, which has been the absolute shambles known as the British Parliament. James, I'm unsure really where to start with this, but let me just give you a brief summary of where we are at this point on Saturday afternoon. Boris Johnson has been defeated in all the votes he's had in the House of Commons so far. Yeah, an historic event. The suspension of Parliament was deemed to be lawful yeah so that's a thing it's not really surprising the opposition mps took control of the house of commons and passed a bill which would mean boris has to go back to the eu and ask for a delay unless of course a new deal is agreed before october 19th Uh, that then passed in the house of lords and is expected to become law and as of this afternoon opposition mps are preparing a legal case in case Boris Johnson fails to obey the law. Mm-hmm. This is... Right, Jay, I don't know where to start with this. This whole week has been total chaos. Well, a lot of what happened that surprised people was just that the current government is taking advantage of a lot of things that weren't actually rules, but were more just what people did out of good faith. Yeah. So the huge big vacation that they demanded everyone take is usually much shorter but there's no rule as to how long it should be, so they just made it longer. The, like It's just a general entitledness, I guess. So we've got lots of signs of people that are just continuously thinking they're entitled to things and then being surprised when they're not. And we were saying all along that Boris is trying to do all these misplays so that he gets to say... I tried my best, Europe made it impossible, the opposition made it impossible, you've got to vote for me and give me all the power if you want it to happen. Maybe that's kind of still happening. He's trying to get his election immediately so that students aren't allowed to vote, which was like real dodgy, but that's been delayed. He's still just messing up left, right, centre. He generally isn't liked across the nation, even by one specific guy who asked him to leave his village. Um, His brother also quit. And then there's still just this general air from their whole party that everyone's just going to do what they say because they say it. Ireland's going to behave. It's got to learn its place because they say it should. Europe's going to do what it what they want it to because they say it should. It's so hard to just keep track of how incompetent they're being and how entitled they're being. Like this, Somehow, and the media is helping them do this, it feels like they think they're doing a good job and are telling us that they're doing a good job. Well, when they've literally got no evidence to back them up on that fact. 
I do think the media are split at the moment. A wee bit. We talked the last week how the, the BBC's tone has changed, and I believe that tone has remained this week. One thing I yeah. failed to say in my summary yeah. was that Boris Johnson attempted to get support for a snap election. He wants to have an election on October 15th. Yeah. He failed to get that support. There's going to be another vote on Monday to hold an election, but all the opposition parties say, nope, no. ain't going to happen until a delay has been asked for. And if yeah. a delay is asked for, then fine, we'll have an election. Oh, the reason that, like, it's, the reason Boris wants it so early is not so that he can get the power to do the Brexit. The reason he wants it so early, as as has been leaked from his aides, is that if you have an election in early October, lots of students won't have, like, lots of new students won't have registered their new addresses yet, so they won't be able to vote yet. So he wants to get rid of the student vote by having an early election. Really? Yeah, that's been leaked. Like one of the one of the benefits to an early election for the Conservatives is that students will have moved into their new homes if they're new students, or they may have moved um, to a new flat if they are in second, third year, fourth year. And because of the way registration works, they may not have registered to vote at their new address yet, so it makes voting harder. And they may not register to do postal vote at home, so it makes voting harder. So it's a way to minimise the youth vote. <laughs> and that's just like, again... A move that is anti-democracy, right? And this is the party that's all about the power of the people and democracy. But they keep doing things to to take away the way that our democracy works. They're trying to now take away student votes. They've tried to take away the ability for parliament to do its job for a few weeks when it's when it, when it is more important than it ever has been in recent memory to do their job. Like they're just anti anti like everyone but themselves in such a clear obvious way so while like yeah there's been some reporting and especially by the bbc uh, in terms of people who used to just exclusively report on things that were good for the conservatives there's been mixed reporting i think just the fact that there's mixed reporting isn't good enough right now that's not nearly good enough you can't be moderate about how bad the conservatives are being for our democracy and for the people you can't just, and and the fact that after Boris comes into power, he immediately loses two votes, which has never happened before. The headline for the BBC was Boris Johnson is calling Jeremy Corbyn a coward for not accepting the challenge. Like that's not even moderate. That's just still reporting as if Boris Johnson's doing a good job and being in power. That's not the most important thing that happened. It's not even nearly the most important thing that happened. Jeremy Corbyn being called a coward by Boris Johnson, irrelevant compared to... He was actually called a chlorinated chicken. A chlorinated chicken specifically because like we're... Because yeah. Boris is trying to minimise how scary a, a, a trade deal with the US is, even though a trade deal with the US would be far scarier than any trade deal with the EU has been. So like any, any media that's coming down the middle here and trying to report that both sides are like doing a good or a bad job... They're just lying to you. Well, but also, it's it's difficult to sugarcoat the reality when Boris Johnson is on the streets of Morley and Leeds and you have literally people come up, coming up to him and saying, you should be in Brussels. And he's like, yeah. oh, we, we have been in Brussels. He says, no, you're not. You're on. You're in Morley. Yeah. Why, are you talk, why are you here? You're playing games. And that, you cannot sugarcoat that because that is the reality. That is what people think. That's what people yeah. feel. So I think that a lot of the reporting we've seen from the BBC and other similar-leaning outlets rather than left or right leaning is just that they have to report the the loud facts now they can't avoid reporting those loud facts so when the chief of police 
it came out to say that Boris misused the police force to do a speech in front of them. It wasn't exclusively about the police. Um, he well, that, shouldn't have done that. Yeah, that was wrong. He, but he, the, the police head of the police commission came out and said that was wrong. That should not have happened. That's what I'm saying. Like Boris misused the police. And then that didn't get reported on. The BBC actually used the backdrop to talk about the speech, even though they probably knew that you shouldn't have used the police that way. So it took until the chief of police came out or whatever commissioner came out to say, don't he shouldn't have done this. Then the BBC has to say, yeah, he shouldn't have done this. But until that point, they weren't saying he shouldn't have done this. Because when I saw that picture, it just, it looked Trumpian. It looked awful. Like, that made me feel, like, so weird that, that Boris is doing a speech that isn't related, like, entirely to the police with a backdrop of police standing behind him. That was kind of scary. It's it's scary, but it's completely normal in today's political world that we live in. Like, that is... I was completely unsurprised yeah. when I saw Boris doing a speech in front of a row, three rows of police officers. Yeah. So suddenly, this whole announcement has become politicised, and now we're standing with Boris giving pronouncements about how he'd rather be dead in a ditch than ask for a delay for Brexit while standing in front of policemen. Yeah, that's that is totally wrong. It's like this. It's it's the lessons of mass manipulation that he's learning from America. It's the lessons of mass manipulation that he's learning from the likes of Bannon, who's who's always going to be helping him know what to do. So he knows that if he says something like that in front of a bunch of police and then someone else goes, no, that's dumb, he can go like, what, are you against the police or something? And it's like, no, just don't give him the chance to do that. And when he does stuff like that, when he does anything that politicizes something that should be apolitical... This should be reported on immediately. Look what he's done. That's ridiculous. Get him out. But instead, the BBC was like, Boris, with his powerful speech and powerful words. And then eventually they had to say, actually, yeah, he misused the police here. Well, yeah, exactly. And that's the point in all of this. We, we could talk about this for a long time. I've just got two further points, James. Boris Johnson's own brother quit this week because yeah. he felt that he was torn between family yeah. and country, and Boris Johnson has then come out to say that he and his brother have... Uh, Joe, I believe, uh, is his name, uh, failed to agree on the EU, and uh, his brother was unable to choose between family or the country, and so he has stepped down as a minister, and I believe he is actually resigning as a politician. Yeah. Do you remember when, like, the Millibands did their wee brotherly spat, and Boris made fun of it, saying that no one should be... No family should be cowardly enough to choose country over family. Something along those lines. Paraphrasing a wee bit, of course. But Boris came down hard in the Millibands for, for having a wee spat. Now, now look, Boris, you're reaping. You are reaping your reward. Ha 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 It's a tiny little. This is tiny. Who cares? Um, something that was more, like, relieving that's happened was the, the Reese Mogg meme. The new, the new Reese Mogg. That was, see, that was the other question i had so so jacob Rees-Mogg, who i thoroughly dislike as a person and as a politician a man who has no actual skills and has never had to do anything in his life so he was caught essentially lounging across three seats in the house of commons he was called out on it but now in a way he's been legitimized by it because he's been turned into a meme yeah yeah there's there's the kind of he's he's gotten some popularity off the back of it and if he owns it it that, can work that should not have happened but we can all still see how entitled he is like he is just being the embodiment of lazy entitlement in that in that pose someone who who has in the past said such things as we can't have people lazing about 
uh, loafing around and getting everything paid for them by by the British taxpayer. Well, there we go. Look who's lazing about loafing around and getting everything paid for them by the taxpayer. He doesn't do anything. And I think that, that the fact that he is a bit more in the spotlight now, rather than just having prepared speeches, but having to actually interact and being seen more often, people are going to see just how lazy he is, how entitled he is, how he doesn't actually have any expertise that is useful to the nation, but he's just earned his place by being entitled. Um, the the big thing that actually happened uh, to him as well is the meme, which is actually like the meme is hilarious. What, like that pose is so lizard like, it's mind blowing. <laughs> Anywho's, uh, <laughs> he had that that um, argument with that with the doctor, the doctor who prepared Yellowhammer. So so yeah, so this and this was the discussion he was having on LBC. A doctor phoned in who was uh, the one who was a whistleblower and came forward and said, "Look, the UK is going to have to stockpile medicines. There's a real danger that more people will die because of a lack of medicines." And Jacob Rees-Mogg compared him to the doctor who was... The doctor is responsible for people believing that vaccines cause autism. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he was compared to that. And that's horrendous. I mean, it was horrendous before that. Before he said that, he was just saying that the guy was fear-mongering, that the guy clearly didn't do a good job because he couldn't mitigate the issues of Brexit. Like, yeah. if you employ a group of doctors to mitigate the issues that Brexit's going to cause, and then at their very best effort, they can say there will still be deaths... They, they aren't just doing a bad job. They're being realistic. Yep. <laughs> like, and then Jacob Rees-Mogg's just um, pushing that aside and saying, you did a bad job if you can't mitigate. No, if it's, if it's impossible to mitigate, you have to accept people are going to die because of this. Ah, the guy's disgusting. Okay, that is enough about Parliament. Can we no, call him enough. disgusting? Can I call him disgusting to his face? Yeah, you can. Of course you can. I really want to. There's some people that are genuinely just disgusting, like to their core. He falls into the category. Yeah. Okay, Let's move on. Leave Parliament and Brexit to see how much more it falls apart over the next week. Uh, let's discuss some trailers. We have uh, coming up ooh, four different trailers. Let's start with Joker. Now, this is the final trailer for the Joaquin Phoenix-led uh, solo movie, which has been screened at Venice to what looks like overwhelmingly rave reviews. Uh, one last trailer. Let's have a listen. For my whole life... I even really existed. But I do. And people are starting to notice. You think this is funny? <laughs> is this a joke to you? Uh, Murray, one small thing. Yeah. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? James, most of the time I tend to avoid reviews, but the reviews for the, for this film were everywhere. I read a couple of five-star ones, one from Empire, one from The Guardian. All right. It's very difficult to for me to have read reviews and to go into a film with a totally uh, clear mind or without any sort of bias. That being said, I did like this trailer. What did you think? Yeah, no, this trailer made the film look, look real good. And maybe not new. I don't know, The Demise of the Clown. Like, it's not really a new story, um, but it looks like it's just done really well. And it's a very, it's like an intense, but also light trailer at times. And I kind of know what the film's about. I, I think I know the entire story now, 
but I don't know how it goes down. I don't know what steps are taken to, to make that story happen. So I actually do still want to see it, even though I feel like I know the entire plot of the film at this point. Yeah, I would agree. The The trailer is heavy on uh, suggested plot spoilers. Yeah. Without tying together all the dots, there is certainly a, a narrative going on there. He... he uh, obviously has a he plays a clown for a day job and spirals down and down and down and down until eventually he hits rock bottom and realizes oh actually i can become this terrifying anti-hero and uh yeah well i can i can cause anarchy and and thus ends the movie and this is the kind of film i want from all of these studios as i've said probably every time we've talked about the film like just the fact that it doesn't feel like every other comic book film but it is still the character and it's a new take on the character in a way. Like it's a, it's a new visual style. Yep. It's a new, like it is a new origin story because it might not be Joker itself. It might be like the thing that, ins- the guy that inspired the real Joker. People are speculating anyway. This is what I need from all these film film studios that are just releasing the same film, but with a different main character. We need new things and this is new. So I do want to support it. Okay, let's move on and talk about Terminator Dark Fate. Uh, this is the yeah. film which is essentially going to pretend that everything after Terminator 3 didn't happen. It's now got a full trailer. Here we go. It's supposed to be Judgment Day. But I changed the future saved three billion lives enough of a resume for you no you may have changed the future but you didn't change our fate i'm gonna ask you what you think james but let me just say that i hated this yeah yeah it just doesn't it doesn't look good but like these are people that wanted to make this film and i'm sure they enjoyed making it they seem to be respecting the 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 other Terminator films a bit more than the previous ones were. I, I, I still don't see the point in the film. Yep. I'm not quite sure. I think it is just the same story as the first Terminator, but with an enhanced human instead of a regular human. Because um, because it is. Because like, it's a sequel, yeah. But the sequel is, hey, you've got to save this life now, or else the whole the whole world will 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 get killed. Yeah, right. So, like, what's the difference? The, the person they're saving's changed, but it, and it's in the future, but it's exactly the same story. And they're bringing back some other characters. Yeah, and we've got returning characters. So it's still Sarah Connor who's got to be involved in the saving, and it's not the Arnie Terminator that's doing the killing. And in fact, they've got him and the person that got sent back in time on their side. But. Eh, Eh, it just doesn't look very interesting. It looks kind of, kind of dumb. Do you know what I, in particular, disliked about this? It is the final line of the trailer, which I am going to say because it's out there. It's not a spoiler. No. It is Sarah Connor's character saying, "I'll be back." Yeah. Which is the iconic line of Terminator. So my question, James, is why would you put that in the trailer? Why not just save that for the film? They're, well, yeah, one, save it for the film. Two, they're trying to do the Luke, the Luke Skywalker throws away the lightsaber thing. They're taking this epic phrase that we, we will be expecting to be heard. Of and they're just making it a casual throwaway line that's just like very obviously on the A camera, not B camera. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the, it's supposed to be funny, but it just isn't a lot. I don't quite know what tone the film's going for. I think that's the problem we're going to have with another film as well. I don't know what tone it's aiming for. Eh, but yeah, it's. Eh, I just don't want to see it. Eh, 
I'm not interested. Yep, fair enough. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about Between Two Ferns. This, if you have long memories, will remember the YouTube series that Zach Galifianakis did. An excellent with YouTube an- series. Oh, yeah. With a, with a number of high-profile celebrities. I want to say in the very early stages of YouTube, like 2010, 2011. And, uh, that was a while ago now, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the show was very entertaining. He did episodes with Bradley Cooper, with uh, Barack Obama, with Brad Pitt, and uh, really funny stuff. And now Netflix are turning it into a film. So let's play the trailer first. Welcome to another edition of Between Two Ferns. And my guest today is Matthew McConaughey. Good to be here, Zach. Of all the things you can win an Oscar for, how surprised are you that you won one for acting? Here we go. I noticed that you're wearing a shirt. Is everything okay? And you have a major leak in here. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. See what's going on with these guys. Dude, don't do that. Well, so my question, James, is how are they how are they playing this? Is it that is Zach Galifianakis still the version of himself, or is is he somebody else? Is it a fly on the wall uh, thing, or are they fully aware of what it is? I think what it's supposed to be is a mockumentary. So, so like all of the actors are playing themselves in a story that's been written. Yeah, like Matthew McConaughey is is credited as Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. And all the all the celebrities are going to be themselves. Yeah. So that so it is like it doesn't quite seem like a documentary style, but I think it's supposed to try and be looking like a documentary on how the film is getting made. But I I I'm, what I'm wondering is what have they justified why it, <laughs> what the documentary is filming the process of, right? You can't just be a mockumentary. If you're not saying why you're filming the documentary, because yeah. the whole purpose of this is to produce this thing for Netflix, but we're watching the documentary version of it. I don't know. And it doesn't matter because it, it's just supposed to be funny and light and nothing's supposed to matter in the end of the day. And that's fine. Like, I don't need to justify it. It's going to be dumb. It's probably going to be funny. It looks a bit forced. It looks a bit weak. Um, hopefully that's just because they picked out some of the safer jokes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and some of the less brave and boring jokes because like one of the cool things about between two friends is how boring the jokes were they were slow slow jokes yeah exactly it wasn't it wasn't in your face slapstick that we saw in the opening minutes of this trailer yeah so hopefully the trailer is just picking out the high energy not so funny moments to make people watch it but it will actually have the same feeling of general awkwardness and incompetence at the end of the day and it looks like they're fitting like looks like they're fitting a lot in like it looks good Again, though, it just hasn't grabbed me. I'm just like, I'd, I'd prefer just to watch the the interviews. Yeah. Do you know the one issue I have with this, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out when it does go on Netflix, is if you remember the Black Mirror episode, which was the Choose Your Own Adventure one. Right. And that episode... Bandersnatch. Bandersnatch made a direct reference to the fact that Perhaps this whole choose your own adventure was a simulation that you were watching on Netflix. Yeah, it, that was yeah, you know, self-referential. Was dumb to, to the extent the character saying you actually have the character on screen saying Netflix. What 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 is Netflix? And then you know addressing the camera. Yeah, that was. And at that point, at that point, you've lost the audience entirely because you're saying right now you're just making it so completely obvious 
that this is a obviously all things are fiction, but you have to buy into what you're watching. It removes you from your suspension. Yeah, exactly. It completely destroys the suspension of of disbelief. So if you're directly referencing Netflix, like Bandersnatch did, which completely threw me out of the the show, I just I gave up on it after that. If it does the same thing here, if if Zach Galifianakis is aware it's going to be on Netflix and all whatever. I don't know if that works for me. Well, well, that's what I'm saying that the mockumentary aspect of it is, right? So if you think about another mockumentary being The Office, it's a documentary about a paper company. So this is a documentary about Zach Galifianakis making a show for Netflix. <laughs> right. Okay. By, and he, what he's doing is he's making episodes of Between Two Ferns for Netflix. And this is a documentary about the making about- of those episodes. Which itself is on Netflix. But I don't know, are those episodes on Netflix? <laughs> the show is on Netflix, but he, but the character of Zach thinks that the episodes are the things that are going to go on Netflix. But at the end, he does say, in theatres near you, which means that he thinks it's a film. So, like, it, that's what I'm saying is the confusing part. I don't know, I, I, I don't know if they've justified the style of filming. And like, while that doesn't matter for most people, like it's confusing me already, so it might just wreck it for me. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's go to our last trailer, and this is Bad Boys for Life, which oh. is the uh, long-awaited... Well, we've been waiting for this for a long time, but no one really has. It's just been in the works for a while because nobody asked for it. Yeah, It's Will Smith, it's Martin Lawrence reprising their roles from their 90s uh, franchise, Bad Boys. Here we go. Remember, knock and talk. Yeah, knock, knock. Miami PD, get down! What the hell happened to knock and talk? Hands behind your head right now. I got this. I'm gonna penetrate this man's soul with my heart. What? Watch and learn. Sir, I realize that you're scared. You know, sometimes fear. How deep you think you got in his soul? James, is this, you, you mentioned earlier, you weren't sure what tone this movie was going for. Is this the movie you were this talking is, about? This is the film. I've got no idea what they're aiming for in this film. Okay, explore that for me. Well, so they're they're doing some self-referential humor. I'm saying that with air quotes again because at no point did I laugh. Um, they've got very explosive action filmed in action ways. They've got some drama... Yeah, kinda. And then they also have the normal Will Smith kinds of funny, which aren't funny anymore. They're very nineties funny. So I don't know if it's supposed to, like I don't know if it's supposed to be funny or an action piece or like the originals or if it's just like supposed to be a, a modern take on the originals that is self referential and and light to watch. I. I but it feels like they're trying to make something really cool, but also it isn't really cool. It just looks really old. Yeah, it does. I, so I didn't like this at all. From the opening twenty seconds, I thought, you know what? No, I'm not. I'm this. I'm totally out of this. First, yeah. for a start, the two of them have aged significantly, which is fine because twenty odd years have passed. Well, yeah, they're playing older versions of the characters who are getting readying up for their retirement slash their legacies. Yeah, but it just seems to me like many of these films are a cash grab because oh, is, yeah. nobody was asking for this film to be made and from the trailer it can't decide i mean i imagine it's going to straddle the line between action and comedy but even in the stuff we saw in this trailer the comedy wasn't funny the comedy wasn't funny and the action wasn't new oh, yeah, precisely so 
It's just going to be another middle-of-the-road franchise revival film that nobody asked for. Looking at you, Men in Black. But I guarantee it with humor that we should have left behind decades ago. There's going to be like oh, yeah. at least one prison rape joke. I absolutely <laughs> guarantee it. And those are just... No, please no. Don't make those. People like people keep making them and it's just... No, I, I'm. We should we should talk about that someday, probably. Yeah, like there's just the this kind of humor that they was saying to me that it's gonna have is just stuff that isn't funny these days, and it's stuff that we've all seen before. None of it looked new, and then they hid behind a tiny wee table with Will Smith's butt sticking out the table to hide from the bullets. So even the action scenes aren't well 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 designed. I'm not, I'm not interested. Okay, let's move on. Discuss some movie news very, very briefly. Uh, the Suicide Squad, which is the reboot slash sequel to Suicide Squad. Yeah, and the prequel to the, the Suicide Squad Squad. <laughs> so, uh, cast Taika Waititi in an unspecified role. This is the director uh, of uh, Thor Ragnarok, of The Hunt for the Wilder People, yeah. and also the star of What We Do in the Shadows, and also in the upcoming Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Who has now been cast in a DC film. In his own film. Well, it's not, no, he's not He's not the one directing The Suicide Squad. I thought he was. Is that not the whole point? No, that's James oh, Gunn. that's James Gunn, yeah. I, that's, I'm getting my, my Marvel directors <laughs> mixed up. What, what do you think of this? Waititi on film. Taika is a brilliant actor in these roles, in any roles that he's done. He's, his delivery of lines is just on point. So, no, I'm excited. I'm excited for this. Like, the film itself, 50-50. Oh, fair enough. But if anyone can save it, Mr. Gunn can save it. And if anyone can act in it, Watiti can act in it. Like, it could be very good if they have the freedom to make it good. That's very true. Before we wrap up by talking about Robert Mugabe and the Loch Ness Monster, two things I never thought I'd say. Let's talk about what we've been watching. And James, we do actually have an audio listener review. (gasps) So this review comes from Eduardo. Thank you very much for this. And it's the film... Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh. Uh, this has been out in the cinema for uh, about a week, and it comes with uh, one of these... It's, it's one of these films which has, you know, from executive producer Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, yeah, And all yeah. these really impressive names, but actually I don't know how much they were involved. None of them did anything. Yeah, so yeah. here is a review. I think my... It's kind of a bad tell of... My favourite part of the movie was the fact that they played Season of the Witch. And it, that's like my favourite part of the movie. That's how bad it was. The script was bad. It was really bad. I mean, we have the character at one point, don't know if this is really a spoiler, where um, there's nobody in the in the police station. Police, the sheriff has died. And she's like, somebody help him when nobody is there. The acting, not too great. So it kind of felt like a Disney movie, like a child Disney movie. Um, the only good thing about it was maybe the stories. <laughs> Although one of the stories, like I really did not want it to go that, down that way. They could have done something a lot better. I was going to say 6.5, but maybe 4.5 now that I think about it. Right, so there we go. 4.5 out of 10 for scary stories to tell in the dark, which is a hard, far from a glowing endorsement, you'd say. Like, I appreciate always being told what films to avoid. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, James, what have you been watching this week? I I don't think I've finished anything. Really? Maybe I did. I don't I don't even remember. What was the last thing I told you I finished? You, you watched uh, an anime which was okay. Oh, no, I fi- oh wait, no, I, I finished another anime, Colin. I did. Really? I did finish one, yeah. Oh my, tell me about it. It's a, it's an anime uh, about sumo, sumo wrestling. Um, high school sumo wrestling. 
Have we talked about this before? I think I mentioned it in one of our paid recording sessions, Colin. Excellent. We talked about Resumo, actually. Um, but no, no. So the, the thing itself, I, I entered in watching this anime, and I, I do this quite a lot, and I shouldn't. I wasn't expecting very much. I was just expecting to kind of enjoy the story of seeing this high school sumo team come together and find success because that's just what's going to happen because they're the main characters. Uh, I didn't expect any character depth. I didn't expect to get invested. I didn't expect them to make sumo interesting for so many episodes because it's just fat people pushing each other. But turns out there's a lot more to sumo than fat people pushing each other. And they actually managed to write some very interesting characters. Like one is a d- delinquent kid who turns turns into a char- a charming, nice young man via wow. being a part of the sumo club. Uh, you 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 actually ended up rooting for the team, real real strongly. Um, and they they they, they the premise premise. I'm so dumb. Is the, that uh, the premise? Yeah, the premise. I'm so dumb. <laughs> is that um the main character is too short to to become a f- professional sumo wrestler right on his own merit the only way to do it is to get invited as a child into the pro sumo leagues and to do that you have to win real hard you have to be the best of the best so the show is following him trying to become the best of the best because he's not tall enough to be a real sumo wrestler um, but all the other characters actually get some depth the supporting characters actually get some depth. It's got far more charm than I expected. It even made me emotional at times because of the way that Aww. they wrote a lot of the scenes. I was I was very impressed by this show. Again, it's one of those where it's like, I wouldn't recommend it unless you're already into watching sports anime shows, like ones I've recommended before, or a safer shout, like Haikyuu is a safer shout for first show to watch. Okay. But if you if you have finished all your current sports animes and you're looking for one that is good, this is like a solid show. I very much enjoyed it. And I can't pronounce it. Sadly, it doesn't have an English title. Okay. But it's got very... Sumo in the title, so I'm sure you'll find it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, very briefly from me, I finished Peaky Blinders Season 3, because I <gasps> well see done. Season 5's on the TV, so I felt I had to catch up. Season 3 I thought was fine, it was okay, like the last episode was the most gripping of the lot, uh, the rest of it I was just kind of like, well, eh, I'm, I'm getting to the end of it, it's, it's well acted, and some of it makes sense, but some of it yeah. I'm thinking, well, hmm, I'm yeah. unsure about this bit, yeah. uh, so I'm gonna, it was fine though, it was, it was fine. For yeah. what it was, I mean, the same characters have the same flaws and strengths every single season. Yeah, so I'm gonna, I'll, yeah. I'm determined to finish season four, but I'd also like to watch the boys yeah. uh, on Amazon. So that's I'm gonna do that first. And in the cinema, I have seen Crawl. Now this is the horror film featuring crocodiles Wait, preying on a father and daughter combo who are stranded in a house in Florida with a hurricane uh, battering the surrounding wait, area so wait there what you watched that I did yeah I did You're, watch it and you knew what you were going into I did know what I was going into but the reviews had been good what? and I really like I really like the lead actress who is Kaya Scolidario who is from Skins and was also in Pirates of the Caribbean I meant no Skins Skins had some top quality actors oh absolutely she's phenomenal the film itself is good. I will not watch it again, though, because, my goodness, some of those deaths are horrendous. Oh, wait, I thought there was only two characters. Well, two primary characters, but of course there are, you know, it's it's set in a hurricane in Florida. So right. there are so looters several. to yeah. be 
picked off by crocodiles. So there are right. rescuers who who see the the lights flashing from this basement, which is beginning to flood, and then they come over and of course they get, get crocodile literally literally like crunched and ripped apart it is some of the deaths were horrendous i refuse to watch some of it and this just sounds like a c-tier horror film like i'm sure i've seen this film like 20 years ago do you know you will have seen this film except with a different yeah. animal predator so this is the first horror film i remember which has crocodiles in it because most of these go for sharks or tarantulas or snakes or I've whatever seen, i've seen a crocodile one i've i've definitely seen a crocodile one. okay uh, anyway, the film itself is actually executed very well. Wow! It, it does ratchet up the tension, and as much as you know, as much as you you know that they're going to survive the day. Wow! This it's still done in a very um, it's it's written very well, it's acted very well, and um, yeah, I liked it. You know, for what it was. Wow! I would I say I, I enjoyed it. Yes. Would I watch it again? Absolutely not. This is the most surprising review I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. I've never heard someone tell me about what the film is about and had low expectations that have been so highly surpassed by their review <laughs> i'm also and despite the fact that even with your uh, your reaction there horror is not my thing at all but i'm still keen to see the new it sequel what is out oh, yeah. which is out right now yeah it the it the it sequel uh it crowd what Shut what up. no that did get a sequel, though. They tried to make it in America. Oh, did they? Yeah. They still so had Richard Ayoade on it, though, so it was kind of weird. He just okay. did the same thing again, but with different other actors. Sounds terrible. Yeah, American versions of British comedy are usually bad. There's just one or two outliers that are excellent. <laughs> Let's uh, finish up, James. But first of all, of course, if you have been watching anything, whether that be a TV series, a film, a play, a book, if you had a nice meal, send us a review. Yeah. Seesawparade at gmail.com. Audio is the best yeah if you want to let us know your new favorite band please do okay james finishing up because we have been talking for far too long robert mugabe the former zimbabwean president has died yeah uh, at an age much longer than most people expected he died age 95 he did any thoughts on this like again it's just like one of those instances of someone died who has left the world a worse place than they would have if correct if they didn't live at all so while I don't like celebrating people's deaths, I feel like when someone dies, when they've done bad things, it's just kind of like, finally, we are guaranteed that they're going to stop doing directly bad things. I, 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 like, I, I genuinely don't care when, they, when people are just bad die. Fair enough. It, it doesn't make me feel anything in terms of sympathy at all. Okay, let's uh, finish up by saying the Loch Ness Monster might actually be... A giant eel. Oh, that's according to wow. uh, scientists from New Zealand. That's amazing, amazing news, and I am so glad that people put in the effort to tell us <laughs> what the Loch Ness monster <laughs> might be. Yeah, so this is this is my question. Basically, a team from uh, Otago University in uh, New Zealand had, had teamed up with some scientists in Scotland, taken samples from Loch Ness to find out what DNA is in the water, and they've ruled out that it was a plesiosaur. They've ruled out that it's a catfish. They've ruled out that it was a whale. They've ruled out all these things, but the only thing they didn't rule out was eels, because they said they found eel de DNA in the loch, so therefore, must be an eel. But also the question is, who's wasting money on this research? I mean, did they find giant eel DNA, or did they just find 
eel DNA. Just find eel DNA. Because I feel like that probably means that there's eels in the loch <laughs> more than anything else. So uh, my question, James, is who like sanctioned this and why? I actually don't know because when I saw all these articles, I was like, well, there's some things I'm not going to read. <laughs> who cares? Like... Part of the reason that things are, are fun is when there's mystery. Is, exactly. Is there an actual legitimate reason for the Loch Ness Monster? It's more fun if we don't know if there is or isn't. Precisely. I, it's just it's just such a shame that people get hooked into these kinds of studies and that news orgs try to beef it up as something important. And also, of all the things it could have been, like that's the most disappointing while also being the most terrifying. <laughs> Uh, that James, that is a good place to end it. Tell the lovely listeners how they do get in touch if they would like to, and please do. Yeah, if you want to get in touch and tell me that it came down too harsh in McGabby there because he did make healthcare okay, but also he was very violent, um, do let me know. Uh, you can email us, you separate to let us know all your favorite things about McGabby. Yes, please uh, do. Yeah, or tweet us at Parade one of your favorite things about McGabby because he's dead and stuff. Your favorite thing about him can be that he's dead but i feel like that joke is taken um you can also snapchat cease operate you, you can talk to us in human real life you can in person face to face or you can talk to us not face to face in person you can like turn your back to us i'll still be able to hear you um, if you do that but it's kind of weird okay james thank you very much i'll see you next week at some point when i'm back from madrid yeah uh cheerio cheerio call colin and goodbye to the listeners and goodbye, Jacob, Jacob Rees-Mogg's ego. Ego, please. Please, ego, go away and forever.